Amen. Well, with all that out of the way, I'm excited today because we're starting a brand new series that we are calling The Vow. The Vow. And we're going to be in this series for the next four Sundays. And hopefully we're going to help us out uh, relationally. And I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but it seems like in today's society, there are marriages and relationships that are struggling all over the place. Have you seen this? You notice that that maybe even in your own relationship, you know, and we're not here to point fingers or anything because we all have our own issues and problems and and things that go on. But but we live in a society where it seems like marriages and relationships are being attacked and they're struggling. That's happening. And maybe you know a couple whose marriage has been struggling, or maybe you're sitting here today or you're watching online and your marriage has been going through a lot, maybe some difficult situations and. And you're just kind of going through difficult times in your marriage. And I believe that these things are not, God does not desire for our relationships and for our marriages to be struggling. I don't think it's, I don't think it's, I don't think it's God's desire for that to be the norm. That every single day we're going to have an argument and every single day we're going to struggle with something and every single day there's going to be something that happens and every single day. I don't think that God's design for marriage and God's design for relationship and God's design for love was meant to always be this way. And I don't think that it pleases God that there are so many of us in the area of marriage that are experiencing all of these struggles and complications and issues and circumstances. And so what we want to do as a church in this series is invest in the lives of those who one day will be married. Maybe you you want to have a good marriage someday. Come on, if you're if you're in the room today and you're not married, let me see your hand. Now, if you're in the room today and you want to be married and when you get married you want your marriage to suck, put your hand down. <laughs> I faked everybody out. <laughs> One thing that we want to do in this series is we want to prepare you so that one day you don't look back and think, man, I wish that I had known when I got married what was going to happen. I wish that I had known some tools. I wish that I had known some principles. I wish that I had had some help in this area before I got married so that now that I'm in my marriage and we're going through all these issues, maybe we could have worked all this out ahead of time. And even if, you know, we're going to speak directly into marriages also to strengthen them and help them become all that God wants them to be. And even if you're, if you're here today and you're divorced or maybe you have no desire to get married, you've been through, you know, maybe it was a, a terrible divorce or, 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 or something happened to your spouse or you just have no desire to get married at all. I believe that through this series you can get some principles and some things that God wants to speak into your life for relationships in your life. Because marriage is not always, it's not the only relationship that you're going to have. Even if you never desire to get married, or, or maybe you've been married and divorced and you don't want to get married again, or wherever you're at, no matter what your relationship status is, there's going to be something that you can take from what God says about relationships and about marriage, and we can apply it to our lives. No matter where we are in our relationships, this series is for everybody. And so just to get us started this morning, I want to ask us all, just a couple of questions, and I want to break it up into ladies and men, all right? So we're talking about marriage, we're talking about relationships. So ladies, I want to ask you this question. How many of you, when you were a little girl, you fantasized about having the perfect wedding with the perfect guy in the perfect place, and the dress was perfect, 
and the crowd was perfect, and everybody loved you, and it was all about you, and it was, come on, can I see your hand? If you were here at some point and you fantasized, you know, I just want to have the perfect, the perfect wedding. I just want to have the perfect wedding. I, I, that's, my, that's my dream. And some of you, you know, you had pictured yourself living in the perfect house, and you even named your perfect kids before you ever had them. Because that's a lot of times what, you know, we have a daughter, we have two now, but one of them is about to turn nine, and, and she's interested, you know, in all of this discussion and, and relationships and kind of figuring all this out, you know, and so we're kind of in uncharted waters right now, trying to figure out uh, what does God want us to do in this situation, and so when, when that comes, you read a lot of books. Can I get an amen? If you've never been there before, you just read about somebody that's been there before, but Ladies, that's probably been your dream. Now, men, I want to talk to the guys for just a second. And I don't think we have, I don't think there's any, like, super young children in here. But here's, okay. So, men, how many of you, you think about what the lady fantasized and it's like, oh, the perfect wedding, the dream day, you know, it's all about me. And we're going to live in a perfect house or whatever. And men, how many of you know we had a different fantasy? <laughs> that when we're little boys or we're teenagers... We're thinking about, well, one day I want to get married, and I want everything that comes with marriage. And we'll just leave it right there. <laughs> I want everything that comes with marriage, and I want it a couple of times a day. <laughs> and I want... <laughs> there's a difference... <laughs> There's a difference in, in the way that, that, that ladies, the way that you think about marriage and relationship growing up and as you go into your teenage years and you get into college age and all of this and there's a difference in the way that guys think about it there, there there's a difference right we've had we've had different mindsets and different frames of mind when it comes to getting married and let me ask you all of us this question how many of you are still dreaming Ladies, you wanted the perfect relationship and the perfect man and the perfect wedding and the perfect house and the perfect everything, but for some reason, it's been 10 years or it's been 15 years, it's been 20 years, and you're still dreaming. It's been three years, you're still dreaming. Guys, we had to fantasy what we thought marriage was going to look like, and we're like, mm, this isn't what I thought. <laughs> this isn't what I thought it was going to be like. This isn't, this isn't what I signed up for, right? A lot of times, we're still dreaming even to this day, and Depending on what article you read, I found this interesting, that statistically, around 50% of marriages don't make it. So the stats say that half of the people that get married will not make it in their marriage. That half of the marriages will end in divorce. 50%. You know, earlier we were talking about how I don't think this is pleasing to God. That, that we're going into marriage, and 50%, I think God looks and he's like, why is 50% of marriages not making it? It's because God desires for all of the relationships in our life to be healthy and to be thriving. And I want you to think about this for just a moment. If there was anything else in your life, if there was something that was extremely important to you, and you had a 50% chance of losing it, what would you do? If there was something important to you that meant the world to you and you had a 50% chance that that thing that you love so much that you were going to lose it, wouldn't you do just about anything and be super intentional to eliminate the danger 
of losing it. If there was a 50% chance that something was going to happen to one of your kids today, wouldn't you take a little bit of precaution? There's a 50% chance something might happen to one of my kids today. I'm going to be a little more intentional. I'm going to be watching a little bit better. I'm going to be parenting a little bit differently. I'm going to be around them a little bit more. I'm going to be taking every precaution because I know there's a 50% chance that something's going to happen to them today. If there was a 50% chance that when you went out to check your mail that you were going to get attacked by a bear. (laughs) Now that may not happen. I don't know around here. That might happen. But if there was a 50% chance that when you walked out your front door to go check your mail that you were going to be attacked by a bear, would you be prepared to be attacked by a bear? I know that when I walk out my door, there's a 50% chance, you know, bears are on the loose. (laughs) Saw one down the street yesterday. (laughs) And there's a 50% chance that I'm going to be attacked by a bear when I walk out to the mailbox. I'm going to be a little more cautious when I walk out to the mailbox. I'm going to be a little more intentional. I'm going to be prepared. A lot of us, we're going to carry a gun when we go get the mail if there's a 50% chance that that's going to happen. And I don't know if you've heard of a, a guy named Jimmy Evans. There's some in our church, they just heard him speak last night, actually. But he uh, does a lot of talks and messages and conferences around marriage, and he wrote a book uh, over 20 years ago called Marriage on the Rock. I don't know if you've ever heard of this book. It's called Marriage on the Rock. And in, in this book, he talks about different vows. And if you've never been a part of one of his marriage conferences, it just happened, uh, this I think it was Friday and Saturday of this last week, so you'll have to catch it next year. But... It's, it's really, really good stuff in, in South Lake, Texas. But he wrote this book, and in this he's, he's talking about all these vows for couples and for relationships and for marriages. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about four different vows that I believe, if applied, will change your marriage. And if you're wanting to be married one day, will set you up for success in marriage. If you're married right now, I believe these four things, and we're going to talk about four things, and when we get to them, you're going to think, these were the most four simple things. Yeah, they're the most four simple things probably, but sometimes we struggle a whole lot to do some of the most simple stuff when it comes to relationships. But we're going to talk about four things that if you're not married, if you'll get this in you now, it will help you and set you up for a successful marriage when you get married. If you are married, it's not too late. I don't care if you've been married a year, 10 years, 25 years, 50 years, 67 years. I don't even know. I don't care how long you've been married. It's never too late to start doing marriage God's way. It's never too late to start honoring God in your marriage. And so we want to talk about four vows. And today as we begin this series, I want to talk to you on this subject. Here's the first one. The vow of priority. The vow of of priority. Vow of priority. I want to I want to start with a very common belief in our world today that I put down here that little kids are taught this from a very young age and Disney movies and princess stories and and all of this stuff that 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 we watch on TV and we think is harmless but really and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it cuz we have Netflix. Come on somebody. We have Netflix and our kids watch all the stuff, right? So it's there's this common theme, though, that, that we're taught from such a young age that, that everything will work out just right, and what I need to be doing is that I need to be fulfilled by meeting the one. Come on. I, the only way that I'm going to be fulfilled is if I meet the one. 
the one. And then some of us, we get into marriage and we think, well, this must not have been the one. (laughs) Because I don't think the one would argue with me. (laughs) And I don't think the one would have an opinion. And I don't think... I don't think the one would want to drive my car. I don't think the one, but we, we have this, this, this thought that, well, I need to be, in order to be fulfilled, I need to find the one. If I could just locate the one, there's that one. I know God has that one. I just need to, I need to find that one, and I'm just holding out for that one, and I've tried, you know, I've tried, there's been 37 of them, but none of them's been the one, and so maybe number 38 will be the one, because we feel like we're only going to be fulfilled if we find the one. To really be happy and have a life that has meaning, you have to meet that perfect person, the person that gives you goosebumps, that person that when you smell them, the hair on your neck stands up. You get around them and you think, oh, this is going to last forever. I'm always going to love the way that they smell. And the hair on my neck is always going to stand up when I get around them and when I smell them. And now every song, talking about the one, right? You ever, all right, most of us in the room are married. And if not, most of us are at least heading that direction at some point. But you ever just thought you met the one and all of a sudden it's like, oh, all the songs on the radio make sense. I get, I get it now. I get all of the, I don't know if you're a country music fan or not. I get all of the, I get all of the country songs now. It just makes so much sense. It's just talking about, I know they were describing this moment when I found the one. And I found the one. And it all makes sense now. And you want to buy every card at the store. Because Valentine's Day is coming up. And you met the one. And I can't just get them one card and a gift. I've got to get them three gifts, and I've got to get them three cards. And then one of them needs to be funny, and one of them needs to be lovey-dovey, and one of them needs to be, you know, like that we're leaning toward marriage, but I don't want to freak them out yet, you know, because we're not there yet. We have all these thoughts because we're focused on the one. To be fulfilled in life, we have to find the one. To be happy, we have to find the one. And what I'm hoping will happen after today is that some of us are going to begin to think differently in that realm of relationship. (laughs) That some of us are going to begin to think instead of, well, I think I just met the one and he's so cute and I love his hair and he has a job and that's a good thing. And he's more interested in me than playing the PlayStation. Or she's just perfect. I love the way that she worships. You know, her hair. Have you seen her when she lifts her hands? Her hair is like just perfectly, you know, like this. And Instead of thinking instead of thinking about, well, I just met the one, or maybe you're in your marriage right now thinking, well, maybe I didn't meet the one, and that's why things are so bad. <laughs> that's why we're having all of these struggles. After today, instead of saying, I think I just met the one, I'm hoping that you'll say, I think I just met the two. I think I just met, I think I just met the two. I think, you know, he's, he's so good looking. And man, when we first got together, we first got married, it was awesome. And, and, you know, I just, I know that I met my two. I know that I met my two. I know that I met, man, she, just the way that she does things is so perfect. And it's so, you know, it's always been that way. And I know, you know we've been married a year, we've been married 10 years, and I know I met my two. We're, we're talking about getting married, and I think I've just met my two. What I'm hoping is that we'll move from thinking that we need to find the one to be happy 
to, to, to thinking that, hey, I need to find my two to be happy. To be fulfilled, to truly be fulfilled, I need to find my two. I think I just met the two. And why would you be so excited about meeting your two? It's because of this right here. You can write this down. Because God is your one and your spouse is your two. Now, I told you, these four vows, we're, 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 we're talking about this, but for some, reason we, for some reason we know it, but we don't know it. You know what I'm saying? We know it. It's like, okay, I know that God is supposed to be number one and my spouse is supposed to be number two. You know, priorities, I got that, you know, whatever. But, but for some reason we know it, but we don't do it. For some reason we know it, and, and we're not excited about meeting our two, because we're not focused on God being our one. But the reason we're hoping that you'll transition from meeting the one to meeting your two is because God is your one and your spouse is your two. Even Jesus made this clear when someone asked him what the greatest command was. I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but basically what Jesus said when he was on the earth and they said, what is the greatest command? What do we need to do? What do we need to obey? What, what can you teach us? What can you tell us? All this stuff. And Jesus said, make God number one and people come second. Make God number one. So in any relationship, specifically in marriage, Jesus said, here's the way that you can succeed. Here's the way that you can fulfill what I've called you to do. Here's the way that you can obey my command is make God number one. And if you're married, make your spouse number two. If you're not married, then people, the most important people in your life, your family, they're number two. But they're not number one. Jesus said, you need to make God number one. God comes first and people come next. And I want to talk to you for just a moment, uh, for those of you who are not married. And if you're not married, can we do this again? Can you just raise your hand if you're not married? All right, keep your hand up. Now everybody look around. Everybody look around. And if you see somebody that you like, <laughs> and your eyes meet, <laughs> and you hear music in the background, <laughs> then after church you can t you get us some coffee. Or you can take them to lunch or whatever, right? I want to talk to, I just wanted to see, I'm making you laugh, but I just want to see who I'm talking to for just a minute. The people that are not married, if you're not married. For those of you who are not married yet, I hope that, that you will make this your vow. I will seek the one while preparing for my two. I will seek the one while preparing for my two. I'm not married yet, but the most important thing is not me finding the one. The most important thing is me making sure I know who my one is, that my one is God, and I'm going to seek my one while I'm preparing for my two. It's like this story, I, I heard this this last week, of a girl who went off to, she went off to college, and she started kind of getting into things, you know, it was like, well, I'm finally free <laughs> And so I'm going to just, I'm just going to live it up. I'm just going to enjoy life and, and kind of do whatever I want to do. And then a few years goes by, and she meets a guy at the, the college that she's at, and she comes home for the holidays, and she tells her mom, she's like, Mom, I have met the perfect guy. I have met the perfect guy. 
I mean, he is smart. He is funny. He, you know, he, he's, he, he, oh man, he is so nice all the time. He's just perfect. And her mom, in a loving way, but in an honest way, looks at her daughter and says, if, baby, if, if he's everything that you're saying that he is, then he's not going to be looking for somebody like you. Boy, y'all got quiet. <laughs> if he's everything, if he's everything that you say that he is, then he's probably not going to be looking for somebody that's been living the way that you've been living. And this is why it's important that you make the decision today, if you're not married, that I'm going to seek the one while I'm preparing for my two. And we could even say it, I, I love this saying here, it, it, it's uh, another pastor, and he asked the question like this, maybe for those of you that want to be married one day, we have this on the screen as well, maybe you could ask yourself the question, am I becoming the person the person I'm looking for is looking for? Am I becoming the person that the person I'm looking for is looking for? Because see, if you're not married, you have a picture in your mind of, of who you want. Some of you have a list of what color hair and what color eyes and all of those things on a list. But what we need to be asking ourselves is, am I becoming the person? See, if that's the, if that's the kind of marriage that I want, if I want somebody who's done these things, am I becoming the person that the person that I'm looking for is going to be looking for? Because if I'm not, then the person that I'm wanting is probably not going to want me. Because they're not looking for somebody like me. They're looking for somebody that, they can, that, that has their values and shares their values. And so if this is what I want, if I want somebody who, who has saved themselves, if I want somebody who's living purely, if I want somebody who's a believer, if I want somebody who will go to church with me, if I want somebody, then maybe we should focus on am I becoming the person that the person I'm looking for is looking for? For those of you who are married, which is the majority of the room today, this is our vow for those of us that are married. I promise God will be my first priority and my spouse will be my second. Our vow is that we promise that God will always be number one and that our spouse will always be number two. In Genesis 2, verse 24 says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. In this way, two people become one. You see, God is always number one, and when you get married, your spouse becomes number two. It becomes the most important earthly relationship that you have when you get married. God is always your number one, and if you're married, I, I vow that my spouse is going to be number two. And here's the problem. When we make our spouse our one, I want you to get this, and, and I'm going to go through them kind of fast, but, but hopefully you'll retain it, or you can go back and listen to the podcast or watch this again. But here's the problem. When we make our spouse our one, two things happen. We idolize them, and we demonize them. So we, we elevate them, and then we push them down. Now let me tell you, let me tell you what, I'm, what I'm meaning. Let me show you. Here's what this looks like for most of us. During the dating phase, well, he's so laid back, and he is so relaxed. 
and he is just so nice. Like, he just never, he just doesn't say a whole lot. You know, he just lets you do all the talking. And we idolize them. And then we get married. And a few months go by or a few years go by, and then it's, he's a lazy bum. <laughs> and he won't get out and mow the yard. And he, like, I wish he would talk. He just sits there and doesn't talk. I want to have communication. And the things that you were talking about, you loved about him in the beginning, and you were idolizing him because he was your one. I just love that he's so quiet. I love that he's so laid back. I love that he's so relaxed. And now, now you're thinking, I wish he would talk because I'm the only one that talks in this relationship. And he needs to mow the yard. And, it, you know, this time when you mow it, actually weed eat and actually do a good job. And you need to get off your rear and actually do something because you're, ter- you're turning into a lazy bum. We idolize and then we demonize whenever we make that person number one. Or during the dating phase, well, she's so organized. She's so, she's just driven. I just love, I love how driven she is. She just, everything is just, just right. You know, everything's organized. Everything's, you know, just filed just right. The books are all straight on the shelf. You know, she's driven to do well at work, you know, and all this stuff. And you idolize. And then you get married, and she's a control freak. (laughs) And I think I'm about to lose my mind. (laughs) She's going to drive me crazy. See, we, (laughs) when we make a person number one, when we're in the dating phase and everything's great, we love everything about him. Well, I love that he never dresses up. I mean, he's just, I just love that he's just relaxed. I can be relaxed around him. It's just so good. And then you get married two years later, and you're just like, why don't you ever put on anything besides sweatpants and a T-shirt? <laughs> because you, you made them the priority instead of making God the priority. And when we do that, we love everything about him in the beginning. And then after a little bit of time goes by and we get married and we're a little farther into a relationship, now we start to demonize and we hate everything that we originally loved about him. When we make them the number one priority. And here's the problem. The problem is that you're asking your spouse, when you do this, when you make your spouse number one and God not number one, you're asking your spouse to meet a need that he or she was not designed to meet. If I make my wife number one, and, I, and I'm not, you know, I have no relationship with God, I don't go to God, you know, when things, are, when things are bad, when things are struggling, and I don't pray, I don't do anything, I'm asking her to meet a need for me that she cannot meet, that she cannot do for me. And this is, this is where a lot of, this is where a lot of marriage struggles begin, is because I'm going to hand you, I'm going to hand you my box, and really, this is just all, this is, these are my hopes, these are my dreams, these are my desires, this is just, this is just what I'm looking for in marriage, and when you give that to me, now it's an expectation. So when you hand me, you say, well, here's, here's my hopes, and here's my dreams, and here's what I think marriage should look like, and here's all this stuff. To you, you're just thinking, well, I'm just helping you. I'm just helping you out. You know, I'm just trying to, you know, I'm just trying to help you know how you can be the perfect husband for me. And when I get that, I think, well, this is just a bunch of expectations that I don't think I'm ever going to measure up to. 
And so you start getting frustrated. Same thing with, with, you know, husbands feeling like, well, the wife should do all of this. Like, here's my box of all my hopes and dreams and desires and everything that's supposed to happen, everything that the woman's supposed to do in the relationship. And when you hand that to her, all of a sudden it's not, it's not hopes, dreams, and desires to her. It's expectations. Well, he expects me to clean the house every day. Well, he expects me to cook three meals. Like, I got to have it ready by 7.30 before he walks out the door. What we feel like is just, well, I'm just, I'm just telling you what, what I feel like marriage is supposed to look like. And when you get it, it's expectations on you. And then we, 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 we fight and we bicker and we argue because I'm not meeting your expectations and you're not meeting my expectations. And can I tell you when we're in that place, it's because we've made that person number one and not God. And we're, tr- we're asking them, I'm asking you to be perfect and be everything that I need. And when you don't, I'm upset. When you don't, I'm frustrated. The problem is that we're asking our spouse to meet a need that they were not designed to meet because God is designed to meet your number one need of priority and not your spouse. Can I say this for those of you that are not married? Your friends and people in your life will never be able to fulfill what God is designed to fulfill in your life. The, the people that you surround yourself with, you need to surround yourself with people that are going in the same direction as you. I believe that. But the people that you're surrounding yourself with are never going to fulfill you the way that you want to be fulfilled. The only way you're going to get that is if you make God number one and then people second. And we stop looking to people. We stop looking to our spouse. We stop looking to our friends. We stop looking to our family to meet all of our needs and be that number one priority and we give it to God. A lot of times when you're, you're dating, your, your boyfriend or your girlfriend becomes the priority. Even, and even right after you get married, they'll be the priority. But then kids come along, and we have a tendency to make kids the priority. And then the man gets jealous, the husband gets jealous, pours himself into work or finds something else to do. The woman's just trying to be, she's just trying to be the best mom that she can be, and she's just pouring herself into the kids and just trying to, I'm just trying to make sure we raise them right. And well, I'm just trying to make sure that we have enough money, and I'm just trying to make sure that I provide for you and for the family. Well, I'm just trying to make sure this. And and in the beginning, in the beginning, we have each other in the right priority. And then at some point, when we have kids later on, or if you have kids later on, then it has a tendency to shift priorities sometimes without us even recognizing it, and the marriage relationship gets put on the shelf. Now, I want to fast forward to your deathbed. And whoo, we're talking about death. Have you ever noticed that when you're around, have you ever been so, around someone that was nearing the end of their life? They're nearing the end of their life, and they know that it's coming. They know, you know, this, the end is coming. Have you, ever, have you ever noticed that priorities become very clear? when you're near the end of your life. All of a sudden, priorities are not an issue for you. If you've been around somebody, priorities are no longer... I watched this with my, my, my grandpa. He passed away. Uh, it's been a few months ago. And with him and, and his wife, my, my mom's parents, I watched this with them. And all of a sudden, it's like when we knew, you know, we kind of knew it was coming and it had been building to this. But as, as it got closer and closer and closer, you could tell where the priorities were between the two of them. 
There was no questioning, well, I don't know if you have your priority. I don't know if you have things in the right priority. No, it was, it was very, very clear. In fact, most of the time, there are two things that matter when someone is nearing the end of their life, God and family. You ever been around somebody that was nearing the end of their life, the things that they're concerned about most of all is God and family. And someone, someone could not even serve God their entire life but there's something on the inside of us that when we start nearing the end of our life, we start thinking, well, I wonder if there is a God. And I wonder where I do stand with him. And I wonder how this is all going to turn out. And we, all, we start thinking that because our priorities are very clear. All of a sudden, it's God and family. I need to know more about God. I need to get God in the right priority. I need to make sure that I'm right with God. I want my family around me. Priorities become... Very clear. And here's the truth. When anything, even something good, takes the place of God or your spouse in priority, your marriage can never be what God intended for it to be because you're not living by God's priorities. And I don't know if you know this or not, but, but God is actually a jealous God. There's two types of jealousy. There's a good jealousy and there's a bad jealousy. And I think we can all pretty much, we've probably all been in different situations where we've experienced the good jealousy, okay, there, you have a right to be jealous about that. And then there's the bad jealousy, we're like, ah, that, it doesn't make any sense as to why. But God is a jealous God, and God wants to be number one in your life so much that, because he knows that's the way he designed it to work. See, the reason God wants to be close to you, and the reason God wants you to put him number one, is because he knows that's the way that your life is designed to work. That when you put him first, come on, it says, when you seek first him, then all the other stuff comes along with it. But when we start seeking the stuff, and we start seeking the relationship, and we start seeking all of the things, then we get God out of priority, and God says, no, 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 no. I need to be number one, and if you'll put me back at number one, then we can work all the other stuff out. We'll get it all in priority and your life can be a success and your marriage can be a success and your kids can be a success and all of this. He knows that when you keep him first in your life, you'll have a better life. And so when something or someone becomes more important to us than God, he becomes jealous but in a good way. In a good way. Now, I don't want you to raise your hand. I've had you raise your hand quite a bit this morning. I don't want you to raise your hand on this one. But I just want you to think about it. Have you ever been jealous of someone or something else because it seemed more important to your spouse than you? Have you, have you, ever, you ever had a moment or multiple moments or a season of life where you were jealous of something or someone else because it seemed like that person or that thing was more important to your spouse than you were? Maybe, maybe you were jealous of a hobby. Your spouse took up a hobby and it was something they just really enjoyed doing, and they didn't mean anything by it. But you became jealous because all of a sudden, instead of being home three or four or five nights a week, now they're gone three or four or five nights a week because they're, they're enjoying their hobby. Maybe that's where you've been. You ever, you ever been jealous of a friend? Somebody that your spouse got close to, maybe their best friend, they've been friends for a long time, and you start thinking, man, I don't know why, like, they want to talk to them more than they want to talk to me. And they know more about them than I know about them. And so we become jealous because we feel like the friend is 
taking our place, that it's more important to our spouse. You ever been you ever been jealous of your spouse's phone? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you thought I was just going to talk about people. You ever been jealous? You don't have to raise your hand, but I would bet 90% of the people in this room can identify with that. You ever been jealous of your spouse's phone? Like you would rather look on Facebook and be in that world than you would rather be in this world. And you go out. We've talked about this. There have been some times when we've gone on a date to where we'll, we, will not, we will tell each other that we cannot pull our phone out while we're on a date. Now, we haven't accomplished that every time. <laughs> but there have been times where we'll talk, like before we get out and we're going in to eat, and sometimes we'll even leave the phone in the van. You know, some, most of the time we take one because somebody has the kids, and, you know, if something happens to the kids, we want to be able to know. But we'll tell each other, it's like, okay, we cannot, like we're not going to look at our phone. You ever, and we just, most of you probably just fasted social media and technology, you know, a couple weeks ago for seven days and felt like you were going to die. Because you're so used to just like, you know, sit down in the evening, there it is, Facebook, Instagram, you know, oh, at work, you know, there's downtime, there it is. I mean, everything, everything that you do before you go to bed, it's like you can't even go to bed without checking one last time. And then if you lay there for 15 minutes awake, you got to one more time, you know, just pull over and punch the button to see if there's any notification came up on my phone. You know, somebody could really need me. Somebody could really need me at 11 p.m. I mean, it could be serious at 11 p.m., and so I'm going to check it one more time. You ever been jealous of a phone because you felt like it was stealing time away from you and your spouse? And if you're not married, um, can I just encourage you that if you're not married and you want to be married at some point, that maybe maybe you start practicing some time away from your phone, <laughs> Start practicing now because the more, you, the more you handle it, the more addicted you get to it, and it just becomes harder and harder and harder as time goes on. But we get jealous a lot of times, and here's the thing. There's really not anything wrong with us being jealous about those things. Now, the way that we act could be wrong. But the fact that you're jealous because, you know what, I feel like, I feel like I'm supposed to be more important to you than that and I'm really like I, I just I wish that you would put it down at a certain time and we could just talk or we could just hang out together or we could do whatever there's nothing and that's the way that God is about you with him being number one we put all this stuff at number one sometimes our spouse is at number one sometimes our friends are at number one sometimes our phone sometimes our career sometimes our job and God's like oh Man, I really wish like you're you're putting that you're putting that in my place. And I wish you would just spend that time with me and make me number one. And if you would make me number one, then I could help you line out all of your other priorities and you would see that that life is meant to be lived this way and that life can be experienced to the fullest, like I talked about it. But because you're not keeping me number one, we can't get there. Because God is supposed to be number one. And then your spouse, number two. And so, today I want to give you one big thought, and then we're going to close. And I want to, to say this before, I want to prerequisite this thought with this statement. And you can write this down, because I believe that this, 
this is a game changer. It's not always bad things that destroy marriages. It's often good things that are out of priority. It's not always a bad thing that will destroy your relationship or destroy your marriage. Or, or a lot of times it's good stuff just in the wrong priority. Sometimes it's golf in the wrong priority. Sometimes it's work in the wrong priority. Is there anything wrong with golf? Is there anything wrong with work? Is there anything wrong with, with, with friends? No. But it's not always bad things that will destroy a relationship or destroy a marriage. A lot of times it's good things. They're just in the wrong priority. So here's the one big thought for today. This is so deep. Protect the priorities. If you don't hear anything else that I have said today when we leave here, I hope that you walk out of here remembering I need to protect the priorities. God number one, marriage number two. God number one, marriage number two. Protect the priorities. We have to be intentional to protect our priorities. If you're having marriage issues today, and I even know this to be true in, in our marriage, it can probably be traced back to something being out of priority. If you were to really just stop and, and we've done this so many times, if you were to just stop and just think, why are we having this discussion? Why are we going through this? It would probably be traced back to something that is just simply out of priority. It's probably that you just need to go back and say, okay, woo, we need to rearrange our life again. <laughs> and we need to get God back at number one. And we need to have each other at number two. And then everything else comes after that. Make sure that your marriage relationship is directly after your relationship with God. And I believe this I believe this to be true. If you want your marriage to grow, serve God together in the church. Pray together. Spend time together. Seek Him first every single day. The most important thing that you can do, and we don't always get this right, so I'm not standing up here telling you that this is like, whoo, boy, he's so holy, and he's got it all figured out. No, a lot of this is, is stuff that I'm preaching to myself. But if you'll, if you'll seek him first and then make sure that your spouse comes directly after your relationship with God, you are setting yourself up for a successful marriage. Because that is exactly how God designed for it to be. It's exactly how God designed for it to be. What is a very practical way you can begin to make sure your spouse is number two. I heard this, I heard this story, and I had to share this because this, it made me laugh out loud, okay? Because I can see, I want, uh, like, I want to start doing this. This was, this was the coolest story. But I heard this story of a guy, and he was talking about keeping things in priority and keeping God number one, making sure that his spouse was number two. And he said, whenever I come home from work every single day, they have six kids. Whenever I come home from work every single day, the kids are just all, you know, as soon as I come in the door, daddy, 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 daddy. And he said, I will drag my kids through the house. I will drag them on my legs. And as I'm dragging them through the house, oh, mama gets the first kiss. Mama gets the first kiss. Mama gets the first kiss. 
Mama gets the first kiss until he locates Mama and gives her the first kiss, and then he goes on to his kids. And what an incredible picture that those kids will always remember. You know what? Mama always got the first kiss. So maybe there's something to this priority thing. Maybe there's a reason why Dad always did that. And I hope that you picture, men, I hope that you picture this when you come home from work tomorrow. You got kids at home, mama gets the first kiss. (laughs) Mama gets the first kiss. Mama gets the first kiss. Because you're teaching your kids, even at the age they are right now, that the marriage is number two. That God is number one, and that the marriage is number two. God is one, the marriage is two. And some of you are probably thinking, well, how mean is that, that you make your kids feel unloved and unwanted? Well, bless their heart. (laughs) The kids are going to feel so neglected if I make sure that that we connect first before the kids. If I make sure that my wife gets the first kiss before the kids, the kids are going to, they're just going to be scarred for life. If I make that happen, and I just can't, you know, I'm just not a mean, maybe you're a mean parent, but I'm just not a mean parent. This is the most loving thing you could do for your kids. It's to show them in practical ways that mom comes before the kids, dad comes before the kids. It's God one, spouse two, kids three, and I want to make, I want to make a couple of statements that might get in your business a little bit, but that's all right. And some of these might make you mad, but hopefully you don't get too mad and you'll come back next week for part two. But I believe these statements are the key to keeping God number one and your spouse number two. Here's the first one. You can write these down. I think we're going to have them on screen. Do not be child-centered in your marriage. Some of you are, oh, oh. And this is easy to do. If you have kids, it's easy to do. If you don't have kids, but you want to have kids someday, you need to get it now. You, you cannot be child-centered. Children are a blessing, and children are a gift from God. But the best way that you can love your kids is to prioritize your marriage. And the best thing your kids can see is a strong marriage. And here's, what's, here, here's the proof. How many of you know that children are a temporary assignment. How many of you that have kids want your kids to move out one day? Kids are a temporary assignment. About 18, 20 years, you know, sometimes 30, but usually about 18, 20, 22 years. And, and, and the goal is, as a parent, I want to raise my kids so that they, I instill values in them and I teach them how they can make it on their own. And that's the goal, so that they can go out and they can be successful in life. But how many of you also know that marriage, children are a temporary assignment, but marriage is till death do us part. And when the kids are gone, your spouse is still going to be there. And I would ask you, are you going to know them when your kids are gone? Or are you going to look at each other? We've talked about this sometimes. Or are you going to look at each other when all your kids graduate and they all move out or they're all off at college or whatever, and you look at each other and it's like, what do we do now? (laughs) 
what do we do now? I don't know. Because everything was so, so focused on the kids. It was raising the kids and getting the kids here and doing this with the kids. And we just kind of coexisted while the kids were here. And now the kids are gone. And it's like, oh, I don't even know what to do. Like, how, do, how does marriage work again? I don't, I don't remember. If you want your children to succeed in marriage, then show them what a God-honoring, God-honoring marriage looks like. I want to talk to the guys for just a second. Here's the second statement. God has called you to live for those you love. I want to bring the worship team back up. God has called you to live for those you love. Now, as, as men, if somebody broke into your home in the middle of the night, what would you do? <laughs> because mo- most of us, our gut instinct is, I'm going to protect my family. And if you want to get to my wife, you're going through me. And if you want to get to my kids, you're going through me. And you better have more than one bullet. Because <laughs> when the adrenaline gets going, there's no telling what's going to happen. You, when somebody breaks into your house, you're going to be intentional. And something's going to rise up in you to protect your family. You see, we would die for those that we love. But... The question is, will you live for those that you love? See, we would all, probably every man in this room would die for their spouse, die for their kids, die for the person they love, die for their family. But the real question is, will you live for them? Are you going to live for your spouse? Are you going to live for the people that you love? And you do that by protecting the priorities. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives the same as Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. We must protect the priorities at all costs. So wrapping it up. God is number one. How is God number one? We attend church weekly. We're connected in groups. We're serving together. We're praying together. We're spending the first part of our day with the Lord, whether it's together or it's, it's separate or at different times. Maybe you get up at different times, but we're going to seek God first every day and everything that we do, the first part of the week, all of that stuff. We're putting God first. My spouse is number two. We're going to make time to, to spend time together regularly, to talk to each other. We're going to have a date night more than once a year. We're going to have a date night every week or every other week. And it's, it's easy to say that we can't afford it or we're too busy. But let me say this, and, and then I'm going to leave you with this, and we're going to sing a song and, and get out of here. If you're lazy, you'll make excuses. But if you love, you'll make way. It's easy to say, because we all, come on, I've been there. We all do this. Well, we just don't have the money, you know, to go on a date night. Well, you can get creative. Well, we just don't have, you know, we just don't have the time, you know, we really got this coming up, really got this going on, and really, well, the kids got to be here, and kids got to do that, and here's, here's the reality. You, you'll, you'll be intentional to do what you want to do. And I believe that, that if you're lazy, you'll make excuses, but if you love, you'll make a way. Will you stand to your feet? Making a way, protecting the priorities. God is my one. My spouse is my two. God first, people second. 
God first, people second. God first, people second. The most important thing you could even hear today is you need to put God number one. And maybe that's the thing you need to start. You know what? Tomorrow morning, I'm going to start it. I haven't had God at number one, and I'm going to put God at number one. I'm going to make him my number one priority, and then I'm going to work down from there. After I've got God number one, got that figured out, now my spouse is number two. What do I need to do in that area? And then everything else comes after those two things. God, I thank you. Lord, we thank you for what, God, this is just the beginning of what you want to teach us about relationships. And Lord, we thank you for what you're sharing with us today on priorities. God, that we need to have you as number one. You as number one and our spouse as number two. God, I pray for those that are not married here in the room but want to be married someday. Lord, that they would get this now. That God, you are number one and my spouse will be my number two. That you are the most important thing and my spouse, the relationship with my spouse comes right after you. God, I pray that these would not be just words today. But Lord, that they would be something that we apply and tomorrow we begin to walk it out. That we begin to walk it out. If we're single, we're going to seek the one while being prepared for the two. If we're married, we're going to commit that God is number one and our spouse is number two. God, help us to get our priorities where they should be, God, so that we can have success in life, so that we can have success in marriage. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, we want, we want to pray with you. doesn't have to be anything that we talked about today. You don't have to be having you know, a marriage struggle today. It could be anything going on in your life, but we want the opportunity to pray for you. And so as we sing this last song and we go out worshiping today, I encourage you, if you need prayer, feel free to come down for prayer. If you're not going to come down for prayer, we just invite you to worship. Let's just lift up the name of Jesus one more time before we leave today. God, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, draw every person today who needs prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.